This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work, a movement that seeks to inspire, equip, and ignite leaders to advance God's kingdom through their influence in the marketplace. Find out more at www.kingdomatwork.com, kingdomatwork.com. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him today as we're broadcasting to you from Rancho Mirage, California. This broadcast is made possible through a collaboration with FCCI and Convene. Check them out online at FCCI.org and ConveneNow.com. We're on location at the 2018 International Summit, a gathering of Christ followers who desire to live out their faith in their work while pursuing excellence. Today in the first half of the show, we're going to be talking with Bill High from The Signatory. Make sure you check him out online, thesignatory.com, thesignatory.com. Bill High, welcome to I Work For Him. Well, glad to be here. We're excited to have you. Bill, we always ask this question of every first-time guest on the show. How did you come to be a follower of Jesus? Well, a long time ago, we, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but we had a family down the street who had come to know Christ through a church plant, and they brought us a children's Bible story book. And that children's Bible story book is really how I experienced the person of Christ for the first time. So the stories of God. So that was, I mean, you, so your family wasn't a Jesus-following family up until that point in time? I didn't know what a church was, had never heard of a Bible, didn't know anything whatsoever. But it's just a crazy story. But the, somebody planted a church in our little town. It was like 100 Where people. Where was that? Waldron, Missouri, Waldron, right outside Missouri. of Kansas City. So, I mean, it wasn't too far from the, from, um, the center of the city. But somebody said they'd plant a little church in our town. They did. And the first converts were our neighbors two doors down. They, they got on fire and said, hey, we're going to bring this family that they took pity on a children's bible storybook you still get it at walmart today that's fantastic that's very cool so at what point in time in your life as you're growing up in your faith at what point in time in your life did you connect that make that connection between your faith and your work knowing that god really cared about both of them being intricately connected well, you know, I was fortunate because I had somebody who, my older brother became a Christian through the Navigators, and I was able to um, uh, get discipled early on, but when I was 17 is when I felt like God was calling me to tend the flock of God. Okay. And so I always had a mission mindset. So even when I first started work, it was always this idea that mission and work went together. So you had a mission mindset, yet you also have a money mindset, a numbers mindset. So how did you learn to balance? Where did you go to school? and where, How did they help you connect that mission mindset with all of the, the knowledge you have up in your head? Well, I was like a lot of kids. I went did my undergraduate work at the University of Missouri and got a degree in education, taught school for just a little bit, and then I went to law school. So law school was actually one of those places where God began really training me to think differently. But then as I got out and practiced and saw what the practice of law was like, I really saw how people could get uh, really taken astray with the idea of money. So uh, by the time we moved off into this foundation world, we saw this very strong connection between money and faith and finances. What do you mean people can be taken astray with money? What, what, what do you mean? It can become their end. I mean, you know, Alan Barnhart talks about this idea, and you see it all throughout Scripture. Jesus warns us about this idea of letting money become our idol. And if you don't invest in the things of heaven, then you're not going to have anything that lasts. So talk about that impact on you. So you, did you grow up with money? No, we were dirt poor. My, so, da- my dad died when I was 12. There were six kids, wow. so you can do the math. It was very difficult. My mom had to raise us pretty much, and uh, it was a hard life. So you didn't grow up with money. So that, I mean, typically kids who 
that don't grow up in money, when they get money, they start to realize, wow, I want to, I want to live in a way that I didn't grow up. I want to, I want to be different than when I grew up. How do, how did you capture or keep the money from twisting you? Well, there's, in my mind, there's at least five essentials that you've got to understand. One is that God's the owner of everything and we're just stewards. And then from that, that there is uh, accountability for our use of God's resources. And that accountability leads to reward or it leads to loss. And at the end of the day, you want to be a person that's going to invest in things that matter, things that last for all of eternity. That's that Matthew 6, 19 through 21 passage. You have had the opportunity to travel around with some amazing people and to share some amazing stories. But it was just recently, in the last, it was a little over a year that you set up the ministry. You broke off your own ministry called The Signature. Talk to us about that. The Signature is a donor-advised fund organization. So today, the donor-advised fund world is a $100 billion world. Unfortunately, the Christian donor-advised fund market is only 4% of that. So we know there's a lot of opportunity. Donor advised fund world is we're like a big charitable bank. People create accounts inside of us, put money in, take a tax deduction, and use it to support the ministries that they want. So it's a fast-growing world, but there's far more opportunity up ahead. There's a $59 trillion wealth transfer up ahead, and so we need to capture some of that for the sake of the kingdom. So what does it look like to capture it? And Martha, I'm going to come to you next. I'm sorry. I keep, I'm, <laughs> no, that's I'm so okay. I'm, just, what Bill's saying. I'm enjoying hearing all this. <clears throat> How are you going to capture it? Because it seems like, okay, so if $100 billion right now is in donor advised, fund, advised funds, and you know what? Let's step back. Tell people what donor advised funds are. Because there's some people listening today that haven't heard some of our shows when we've talked about that. What is a donor advised fund? It's just like a bank account, except it's a charitable bank account. You put money in and take your tax deduction, and then you log in just like you would with a bank account and pick what charities that you want to give. You can use it to support your local church. Um, a lot of people do all their giving through it just a year in. They get one tax receipt. So it's a pretty simple tool. That's why it's growing so fast. So one of the things, just to kind of break it down for um, our listeners, is that say they know they have some money that they want to give, but they haven't yet decided how to where it's going to go. That's really um, a starting point in a lot of ways, right? For the donor advice fund to say, you know, I I don't need to hurry and make a decision, but I want to get it, uh, and you know, I want to. Um, put it in a donor advice fund, and then they can make decisions of where it's going to go and direct you guys where to send that money. That's certainly one way that Mm -hmm. you'll see people here at year end. People will come up and they'll have some appreciated stock and they'll want to drop it into an account so they get the tax deduction. So about 50% of what we do will take place in the month of December. So they got the tax deduction, but they've got time to decide where to give it. But then you guys are helping them. Are are you you encouraging them to still give it away, though? It's not just to sit there as an investment? Very few of our people just sit on it for any length of time. So typically, the, in the donor advice fund world, the distribution rate's only about 10 15%. And for most of our people, they're given 50 60 70% of those money. So it's going right back out to Excellent. the kingdom. Excellent. So tell us about the signature. Tell us about what that, I mean, what are you doing with the signature? Well, we saw an opportunity in this donor advised fund space to be able to encourage people to think differently. Sometimes in the generosity space, we have maybe gotten uh, lost in the idea that generosity in and of itself is good, and it is, but it's even better if we come pair generosity with impact. And so we want to encourage people to write the last check. That's the vision. The vision is write the last check to solve the world's greatest problems, whether that's fulfilling the Great 
commission, the last scripture translations to end trafficking and the like. So that's some of our big idea. So the, the word signatory is your signature is your legacy. So we want people to sign on to a great legacy. So who's a great client for you guys? Uh, oftentimes it's the business owner because the business owner are those people who maybe they're looking at a sale, uh, but any given year, just like Martha, you talked about, they're running to year end at December 20th and they're trying to figure out their tax liability. Mm -hmm. And so they need to do something rather than writing out 300 checks at year end. And we've seen that happen before where people write all kinds of checks. So you've got a passion for funding kingdom prospect or, or projects but you also hang out with a guy named i don't know it, people may know him david green and you've helped you've actually helped the green family write i don't know how many books i've read at least four or five of them that got your name on them <clears throat> they are a family that really understands um generosity generational wealth transfer things like that Talk to us about why you hang out so much with David Green. Well, I mean, if you Google most influential Christian business owners, David Green's going to show up on that list. Mm -hmm. So David's been a great example for me, and we've become great friends over these years. But he's an example for what's going on, certainly in the Christian world, but also among Christian business owners. People who are challenged by this idea of God's ownership and God's stewardship, because David and his family have given away the stock of Hobby Lobby. They don't benefit from it personally. So we've seen countless business people be influenced by David's testimony and his story. And so that's our goal. It's just to encourage and influence other business owners with whatever God has for them. It's an amazing story. And, we, and Martha and I get to hear it at the Ark earlier this year in April as you help pull that story out of David. And it really is just an encouragement. Hey, here's a guy that's, that could potentially be worth billions of dollars. And he's like, no, it's not mine. This is for God. What, what are we going to do with it? When we come back, I really want to talk about that, that generational wealth transfer, that, that, that multi-generational generosity thing when we come back. You're listening to I Work For Him. Martha and I broadcast from... We are in Rancho Mirage, California, Jim, and we're at the FCCI and Convene International Summit. And the, um, the theme for this summit is pursuing excellence. And, you know, that resonates so much with us. And we just want to share that with our listeners because we believe that one of the core um, things about being a um, light in our workplaces is to be a person of excellence in all that we do. And um, so we're here just hearing all kinds of speakers and, and guests alike that are doing the same thing. We're talking today with Bill High on the first half of the show. He is from a ministry called The Signatory. It's a donor. Well, I'll let Bill tell you. Bill, what's The Signatory all about? We're a donor advised fund, and we want to inspire biblical generosity and facilitate generosity to impact the kingdom. And you guys are out of Kansas City, but you can handle people from anywhere in the country, right? Oh, we've got clients all over the country, and certainly we've got staff all over the country as well, and we're growing. Talk to us. I, I know you've got a passion for this generosity, and we'll talk to Talk to our audience about how generosity impacts people's hearts because it is, it's not, a lot of people think, well, you know, churches don't talk about generosity much. They talk about, you know, giving, giving us your tithes, you know, and, and it's, um, it's different. When people learn to be generous, it really impacts who they are, doesn't it? Giving can be very transactional. Write a check, you know, maybe get to your 10%, which we know uh, our country doesn't do. I mean, generally right. speaking, giving is about 2.5% of income right mm -hmm. now today. It hasn't gone up in 40 years. But when generosity grabs a hold of a person's heart, we begin to reflect the character and image of God. And you look at Jesus, man, he gave everything. And that's kind of the goal is that we're fully surrendered to who he is. 
So how does this signature help families not only, I mean, because you're working with people that have some money and some people that have lots of money. How does the signature help families not implode because of the money and learn to be generous from generation to generation to generation? Yeah, every family, regardless of whether you have money or not, still has the same basic issue. The problem really that we've had is that in our country, we've taken up this kind of retirement mindset. What a lot of people don't know is that Del Webb, you remember that name? He <laughs> built a lot of communities, he right? He was the 1962 man of the year, but the big deal behind Dell was he, he uh, pursued this notion that you should be able to retire and when you retire is that you could live your life and so it put family as kind of the second secondary kind of idea and we just believe that the biblical idea is that family should be from generation to generation the promise to Abraham was not just for Isaac it wasn't just for his grandkids it was from generation to generation and that's the biblical idea behind family so that's what we're trying to encourage at the Signatory is this whole idea is that people would live out this multi-generational view. So instead of working with you as just being transactional, you're actually helping them get educated in that area? Or how are you teaching that to your yep. clients? We're encouraging families on that. So we're actually getting ready to release a video series. And we're doing some things in conjunction with KA, Kingdom Advisors, mm -hmm. where we're teaching everyday family legacy. So whether you have you know, a billion dollars or whether you have a hundred thousand dollars, whatever the case may be, is we want families to think multi-generationally. Because if you think about it, Martha, what happens is if your family is multi-generational nature, if they carry on with your set of values, a kingdom mindset, that's how you impact culture generation mm -hmm. after generation. You know, it, it's so true because we don't really think about it. We think, you know, it's set up in our culture or whatever. When one generation passes on, you know, there might be some inheritance. What do you do with that? Well, everybody kind of does their own thing and there's nothing intentional. So you're trying to help keep that family cohesive in that area? Financial inheritance is the last one that you should pass on. If we can help you and Jim pass on a set of values that mm -hmm. are kingdom oriented to your kids, to your grandkids, great grandkids, and kids that you'll never see, mm. it's far easier to impact the world that you live. I mean, think about it. You guys didn't set out to go have kids and so they could go splat you know, and fail. Mm -hmm. And that's not God's design. So we really believe that God's design as your family should be multi-generational in nature. Mm -hmm. And the generosity piece is just one part of that. Because if you teach your kids to be givers, mm -hmm. to be generous in nature, again, they reflect the character and image of God. Have you ever seen an unhappy, generous person? No, you don't. I mean, mm -hmm. generosity transforms a heart. When you realize it's not about you and you realize it's not yours. And you let it freely flow through you, it changes who you are. I mean, it just, it's, a paradigm it's a permanent paradigm shift. So we're talking with Bill High today as we're out here at the International Summit in Rancho Mirage, California. Bill High, how are you living this out at home? What does this look like? You guys, you have kids? We have four kids, have four two kids. grandkids. Two grand. So how, your kids are range of age. How old are you? Our oldest is 28 down to 21. Two girls, two boys. My oldest daughter has two kids, and she's got another one on the way. Wow, congratulations. So talk to us about how you have passed all the stuff you've been learning along the way. I mean, it's toughest with our kids. I mean, it's, it's easier to teach other people's kids than it is to teach our own kids. How has, you, how has all the wisdom God has given you about money and generational wealth transfer, how has that impacted your kids? How are they living it out today? Well, there's some practical things that we tried to do is we tried to live out a particular mission 
mission with them, tried to live out a particular set of values. And that's one of the things that we talk to families about is have your own family mission or family purpose statement, mm-hmm. have your values articulated. And the, the uh, great thing about generosity is generosity is the great equalizer in families. You can always gather your family together around generosity. Whereas, you know, if we said, hey, if brought your kids in and said, hey, let's talk about radio, they may not have the same experience. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if they come in and talk about generosity, they're, they're, they've got a level playing field. So with my kids, we've always worked on this idea of giving money away together. So we've done really? all kinds of things that have been a lot of fun. So we've done the $100 day. We give them $100 and between Thanksgiving and Christmas, find a place where God nudges you to give some to someone in need. And so that's had a big impact on our kids as they've seen that it uh, lived out. Teaching generosity is one of those things that they have to see the impact it makes. And all of a sudden they're like, wow. I can really make a difference. Mm. Yeah, my sixteen or my son was sixteen when we had a, a missionary come visit us, and uh, she she was um, uh, talking to my sixteen year old son. Said, "Hey, what do you want to do? You know, what are you passionate about in your life?" And we were sitting there listening and kind of in the background to see what he would say, which you would do. <laughs> if the sneaky adult yes, thing. you're like, oh, awesome. Somebody's asking this question. <laughs> yeah. So if it was your 16-year-old son, you'd really be listening. And the fascinating thing to me, unprompted, is he says, man, I just really love giving to help people in need. And like we were like, wow, something stuck. And we've yes. seen that lived out in his life, not just at 16, but consistently, even when he was at college, you know, I went to visit him and, you know, I gave him 20 bucks because he's sick and needed to get some medicine. And so later we were like, hey, what'd you do with that 20 bucks? And he's like, well, I was at the coffee shop and I felt like God told me to give away that money. And, you know, his parents were sitting there, you dummy. <laughs> but it's like, hey, this stuck, you know, yeah. and that's what you want to see in your kids. And the, the scriptures are very clear that what is it that a foolish son is a grief to his mother? Mm. On the other hand, when you see your kids carry out that set of values, you know the joy that that brings you. But you live it out first and foremost, we think, in that whole, whole idea of serving and reflecting that character and image of Christ. So talk to us about, you have, because of your work with a lot of Christian business owners, you have um, had the opportunity to really make an impact in the faith and work movement. I mean, there, the whole idea in the last 20 or 30 years of, of Christ following people out there in the workplace is really connecting their faith and the work. It, it's, a, it's a new idea, yeah, it's a really old idea, and it's a really, really old idea. Where do you see that? The money that you are funneling through the signature to get out there to ministries, how do you, where do you see the faith and work movement going next? It's, it's some of what's even happening here at FCCI. It's this whole idea is that we can become unified, is that we can do some things together. And you're seeing this across the Christian space is that there's a great vision, I think, where we can actually ask ourselves, what problems of the world can we solve together? And in many cases, it'll be those business people who will be able to come together and do that because mm-hmm. they're strategic thinkers. They have some of the capital available. And we're seeing all kinds of stories like that. So we think the next great move, the next great wave in this faith and uh, generosity movement will, that, will be that idea is that we can come together and solve some of the world's greatest problems. Do you run into a danger when you're talking with business people that they automatically assume that you just you just want their money? I mean, how do you overcome that and teach more on just generosity in general and not like, 
I need your money to, you know, do something with it. Yeah, we don't because we're really not asking for money for ourselves. Mm-hmm. They, they tend to view us much more as consultative to be able to help them. Now, there are some, certainly, but uh, we're not necessarily the plan-giving guys. We're not trying to plan their estates. I mean, we can comment on that. But we're really trying to help understand their passions. And if they do have a family and it's a family business, is how to help that mm-hmm. family business thrive and succeed. And then on the giving side, man, we just want to help fulfill their passions. And at the same time, sometimes they want connection to other people, other business owners. And that's some of the things, that's one of my greatest joys to be able to help make those kind of connections, some of the work that you all get to do. Mm-hmm. Hey, we love making connections. We love seeing what God has been using you to do as we see you go across the country promoting generosity because that's something that is going to make an impact. When Christ followers adopt that, it's just great. So give 10 seconds of a word on why people should. Where can people go to understand generosity? Is there, is there a website you love to send people to? Yeah, I, I write regularly. So if they go to my personal website, BillHigh.com, so okay. that's BillHigh.com, I write regularly on those themes of family, legacy, and generosity. So we have a lot of people that follow that. We think there's really good content. Some mm-hmm. of that reflects my thinking. Some of it reflects the thinking in the industry and certainly from Scripture as well. Perfect. Bill High, thanks for being an I Work for him this afternoon. Glad to be here. Appreciate it very much. Check them out online, thesignatory.com, thesignatory.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, as we broadcast from Rancho Mirage, California. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.